Thank you for tuning in to the Just Believe Podcast. I'm your host, HP Mac. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. This podcast is raw, authentic, and unscripted. With that being said, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Just Believe Podcast. Today, I am blessed to not only meet this man, but have a conversation and we just connect. He goes by the name of Cliff, but before he talks, I have to play something special for you. That was my man, Cliff. Cliff, go ahead, introduce yourself and please share your story. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, HB. And uh, man, I, I'm very glad I connected with you because I mean, like like you were talking earlier, we were, uh, I don't even remember exactly what it was. Oh, you gave me a shout out on one of your stories. And I was like, I didn't even know who you were, to be honest with you. I was like, <laughs> I gotta check this guy out if he's, you know, give me a shout out. And I checked out your stuff and there was something inside me that just said, you know what, get to know this guy better. You need to get to know this guy better. And I, I text you or I DM you exactly that saying, Hey, tell me more about you. You know, something me saying, get to know this guy better and stuff. And we just kind of hit it off from there and, and became friends and stuff. We had a great DM message that night. You told me your story. I told you my story and we just kind of been connected ever since. And man, I'm very, very grateful to have met you and I'm very honored to be on this podcast. And, and it, it's great watching that kind of stuff. It's kind of, for a long time, it was weird for me to watch myself on video and I had a really hard time doing videos before because I'm an introvert by nature. You know, I'm just, that's kind of who I am. I don't really get out there much, which doesn't really work with where I'm going in my life and what I want to do, being a public speaker, putting out all these videos, wanting to be a coach, helping all these people. And um, so it didn't really click. It didn't really go together, but I had to overcome that fear and I had to overcome that hesitation to do it. And I had a, a guy, another guy I connected with on uh, Instagram uh, called at world of adulation. And he's in India and he's like, Hey, I'll do an interview with you, help you break that ice. So you can kind of do your first video and get out there. And ever since then, it, it's been, it's been great, man. I love doing videos now. I actually, it, it actually helped me overcome that fear. It helped me become more comfortable seeing myself. And I, like I said in that video, I love who I am right now. I love who I've become, but it hasn't been an easy road. It hasn't been, um, <laughs> it has not been an easy path by any stretch of the imagination, you know, but like I say in that video, we always, we all go through hard times. We all experience 
challenges, hardships, difficulties, failures, heartbreak, everything, all that bad stuff that happens in our life. We all experience that. But what I've created now with my life and what I try to help other people create with their life is a mindset that helps you deal with that stuff. And I'll, I'll get into my story here in just a second. If oh, you yeah. Matt, but no, you know, it's you're like good, you're good. The, the thing, the thing I kind of equated to, so my background, I was a uh, paramedic firefighter for 19 years. And when I was a firefighter, you know, we have a whole separate division called prevention. Well, they go okay. out and they inspect businesses and everything. And they say, you know, let's make sure your business is safe. Let's say, make sure there's no fire hazards, make sure that, you know, we can help prevent a fire before it happens. Same thing's true about your mindset. If yeah, you do absolutely very similar to create a good, solid, strong mindset, a positive mindset, one that's going to help you look at things from the right perspective, then you're not doing any preventative measures for those hard times, challenges, hardships, failures, heartbreaks, all that stuff that comes up in life. You're doing absolutely nothing. And you're very reactive in that sense that now bad shit happens. Sorry, can I cuss on this one? Yeah, you're good, bro. Do you get, dude, this podcast. We're all like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. Yeah. This sucks. My life is terrible. The whole world's against me and, and all that stuff. And it's all bullshit. It's because you haven't prepared. You haven't done anything to make sure that you take care of yourself, focus on yourself and create a mindset that's going to be able to navigate those challenges, learn from those challenges and move forward and become a better person from those challenges rather than get stuck and live in misery the rest of your oh yeah no no definitely um yeah when we dm each other and we just connected i was just like man his story is great like hopefully he feels comfortable sharing it because not everybody's comfortable sharing their story which i get you know it's hard because man i have to relive this pain and i have to not only i have to relive it but i gotta i gotta show that i'm confident especially when you're doing a live mm-hmm. oh man nobody wants that Hi, hi, I'm I'm HB. Like, no, they, they want that strong story and that connection and that, oh, okay, I feel his pain. Oh, but he was going through this. Now I can I can do it too. Because he went through it and now I can I can I'm strong enough to survive. Uh you had mentioned something about the mindset. And this was something that I tell my friends, my wife, I tell them all the time that the it starts with the foundation, right? Mm-hmm. And we may not realize how strong our foundation is or how weak it is until you hit rock bottom. Yep. I'm like, man, man, something happened to me as a child. Now I'm a grown, now I'm a grown man or grown woman, and I'm reliving that pain, how my mom made me feel when I was eight, when I was 10, how my dad made me feel, like, or just a high school event where some kids are picking on you. Something small that can just trigger and just shift you to a different direction um yeah no when you said that it just automatically it just clicked for me um well i'm glad you brought up the whole foundation thing because yeah the name of my company whatever you want to call it the the name of the company that i've created mindful architecture we're the architects of our own life we create our own reality we decide what kind of life that we want to have that we want to build for ourselves not just financially and with all the cool things we can buy if we make money but mentally just yeah. by ourselves, we are the architects of our lives. The reality we see is a creation of our thoughts, our beliefs, our habits, and our values. But it all starts with your thoughts. And that's exactly it, HB Mac. Is like yeah, that yeah. is the foundation for everything yeah, else is your thoughts and your so, mindset. And if you don't have a good foundation, everything else is going to crumble when, when, a bad, when a storm comes. It's all going to so crumble. That, that's the whole basis now, behind mindful architecture is, you know, you yeah. architect your life, man. Build something beautiful. But it starts with yeah. the mindset. Um, 
at what point did you realize my foundation is extremely weak or non-existent? Can you walk us through this? Um, yeah, I can. Uh, I, I can basically go back and like tell my story now because yeah, go ahead, like- man. go ahead, yeah, open up because I, I created this podcast because I want people to understand you're not alone, right? Definitely and not. as a guest, I want you to be authentic, raw, and this podcast is unscripted, so there's no uh, questions or anything like that. I'm, just be yourself, uh, you know. I just be who you are, and that's how we connect. All right, and who I am, just so you know, when I get on these things. I can freaking talk. So if you want something, man, just <laughs> butt right in and interrupt me. But I got you, know, you. You said something very important. That's it. It's all about perspective. As you know, I'm huge on perspective. It's all about how you look at things, how you view things, what kind of meaning you attach to them. And I don't relive all this stuff by me telling my story. I'm learning from it. I'm reinforcing the lessons I learned from my story, and I'm helping other people with my story. And I've let go of all the hurt, the pain, the the destruction that I caused with with all my bad decisions that I made. But um, I don't look at it as reliving. I take the perspective as I'm learning and I'm teaching other people. So, um, so kind of my story. I, <laughs> I I was an alcoholic. That that's the the base of my story. That's kind of the the common theme through my whole life. I took my first drink at a friend's birthday party when I was ten years old, and we broke into his mom's liquor cabinet. And by the age of thirteen, I was drinking on a regular basis. I was never ever ever a social drinker that just had you know, a couple beers with my buddies and went home or went to a party and had a couple drinks and drove home. No, I, I drank to excess. I drank to blackout. I drank to party. That, that's what I thought was normal. That's what everybody else was doing. So I thought, and that's what I did from the age of 13 till I was 39. I'm now uh, 47. I'll be 48 this year, but uh, wow. I drank a lot and I drank all through for, for that entire time. I, I drank heavily. Uh, through high school, through college, through my careers. And the thing is, despite the heavy drinking, I still managed to have a certain level of, of success. So I was a functioning alcoholic. I was, yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like a functional. Yeah, alcoholic. definitely. I was successful. That, that, that was me. I had yeah. goals. I had dreams. And the thing is, when I, when I want something, I go after it full force and I've accomplished pretty much everything I've ever set out to do in my life. The, the career that I chose to go into with, you know, being a paramedic, being a firefighter, those are very competitive fields to go into. And a lot of people test like two, three times before they get hired. Every single place I applied for in Arizona, where I started out my career in Loveland, Colorado with the ambulance, Loveland, Colorado with the fire department, later on becoming a corrections officer at the, at the local jail here and becoming a youth corrections officer. Every single one of those public service jobs I got the very first time I interviewed. I put my heart and soul into it. I wanted it and I went after it and I got it every single time. So I got a certain level of success. I went to college. I figured out that I wanted to be a paramedic firefighter, went and got my EMT, went and got hired in ambulance service, worked there for about four years. Uh, they put me through paramedic school. Then I moved back home to Loveland, Colorado, where I got hired on the ambulance service there. And my brother worked there. My brother-in-law worked there. And I became a volunteer firefighter. Life was great. And you know, through all this, I was still drinking heavy. If I was not at work on the ambulance service, I was out drinking. I was out partying. And the thing is, I would put on a front. I started living two separate lives, which a lot yeah. of alcoholics do, is I would go out with my friends and I'd have just enough to where it's like, okay, I can still make it home most of the time, not all the time, but I'd go out. I'm like, I can still make it home. And I would have a bunch of beer, alcohol, whatever, waiting at home. As soon as I got home, I would just continue to party and drink until I passed out pretty much every single time. So I have a question because... Um... 
you know, I, I, unfortunately I was a functional alcoholic, but I had a moment that, okay, I really do have a problem. When did you realize, wait, I really do have a problem. Or did you, did you personally, Hey, I really do have a problem. Or did someone come to you and say, Hey, I think you need, I, I think you need some help. Both. Okay. It, I mean, over the course of my drinking career, if you want to call it that, um, over the course of my drinking career, it's like, I think I knew that I had a problem. I knew I had a problem. I just didn't want to admit it. That's the main yeah. thing. I remember a long time ago getting on the internet and looking up a questionnaire to determine whether or not you may or may not be an alcoholic. And I was definitely an alcoholic and I did nothing with it. And I, so I kept this up and I kept this up for years and years. And there was at one point in 2010, I believe it was, um, my wife and I were confronted because my wife was a heavy drinker too. And we just fed off each other and we drank at home all the time. And, uh, where somebody from the fire department and my father-in-law had a little intervention with us and said, you need to get some help or we're taking the kids. Wow. And that was a huge wake up call. So we went to counseling, yeah. we went and got help. We both started going to AA and we did great. And we were sober for seven months. And at the end of 2010, <laughs> we decided to celebrate our, sobriety by getting a little bit of beer and celebrating the end of a good year seven months sober we're gonna have a little bit of beer we never yeah. had it in our minds that we were gonna quit for good we never thought that that you was gonna be the end game you needed a moment to stop i need to control and, this yeah. so that i can get back to normal drinking yeah that's not the way it works so we decided to get a little bit of beer at the end of 2010 and <laughs> i remember hesitating to go get it and i asked my wife i go are you sure she's like yeah, whatever's left over in the morning, we'll just dump down the drain. I went and got it, came home. I do not even remember taking the first drink. Wow. I don't even remember. Next thing I know, um, <laughs> this is the beginning of the end for me. Um, next thing I know, my wife is being hauled off to jail for domestic violence because I was trying to get the keys. I was so drunk that I thought I needed more alcohol. I was trying to get the keys to drive down you know, about two miles to the liquor store and get more alcohol. And she was trying to stop me. And the only last resort she had was to pop me in the, in the eye. Yeah. Try to knock me out. And I wish to God she would have, but she didn't. I left, I took her uh, trailblazer and I left to go get more alcohol. I drove through a neighbor's fence on the way out of the neighborhood. Just oh, so wow. happened to be a guy that I work with at the fire department who lived in the neighborhood, drove through his fence. I knew it was him and I just kept on going, didn't stop or anything. Drove down to the liquor store, got out, um, that's where my brother had a barbecue business at the time. A restaurant is right next to the liquor store. I went in there apparently asking for money. A lot of the stuff I don't remember. I asked him for money. He wouldn't give me any. He took the keys. I don't remember if I got alcohol or not. I started walking back home the two miles and, uh, the neighbor's fence I drove through his, um, girlfriend found me and picked me up because they figured out what had happened, obviously. Yeah. And brought me back home. Shortly after I got back home, the police showed up here and, Obviously knew I had been drinking. Some people had reported me driving and they knew my career though. They knew I was a firefighter and they're like, we don't want to jack up your career. So yeah. we're going to write you for moving violations because we actually didn't see you driving drunk. So I, all right, cool. And then they're like, what happened to your eye? And my wife's like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I hit him. <laughs> Automatic domestic violence. Wow. So she's getting hauled off to jail. My in-laws came and took my kids. I'm at home alone now, drunk. And just lost my family. And I was doing anything and everything to forget what was happening. To the point 
and I'm an open book, Asian man. I'm not ashamed yeah, to share yeah. anything because it no, helps. No, 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 you're fine. Your story, person, your story is going to inspire others. Trust if, me. If it helps one person, then it is so worth it. And I don't yeah. no, that's all about. what people judge me on. I, I was a paramedic. I knew the damage that this stuff could do to your body. And despite that, this is how far gone I was. I was drinking. I tried huffing paint. I drank freaking acetone thinking that might give me a buzz. Nail polish remover. Yeah. All that stuff. I wake up the next day. My wife's gone. My kids are gone. I'm by myself. I have no idea what's going on. Actually, I think it was a couple days later. Finally, my wife uh, gets out of jail. They just kept her overnight because she had no record at all. And her father-in-law brings her home and she's like, I can't come home. That's what the because they do an automatic uh, restraining order after that. Or, uh, yeah, of course. Where you can't be together. And I'm like, no, you and the kids need stability. You stay here. I'll figure out somewhere to stay. I'll go get a hotel room, whatever. So I went and I got a hotel room. <clears throat> That's probably the worst thing I could have done at that time. Because now I'm on my own. I have nobody to hold me accountable for. I have nobody to answer yeah. to. Now I can run wild. I don't have to worry about my kids. I don't have to worry about anything. I started missing work at the fire department. I was drinking every single day. I'd wake up and start drinking. I'd tell my wife I was going to bed at like five o'clock at night because I wanted to get wasted and didn't want her to know about it, which she obviously knew about it. Um, over a three week stretch. And I, I compare it to the movie leaving Las Vegas. If you've never seen that, it's an older Nicholas cage movie where he loses his job. He goes to Vegas, lives in a hotel, um, dates a prostitute and pretty much drinks himself to death in hotel. And rooms. you, and you felt like that was you. That is what I was doing. Yeah. I was in, yeah. I went to three different hotels drinking every single time. Um, I ended up in detox three separate times. I ended up in the hospital three separate times. After the last time in the hospital, my mom, my sisters, they didn't want me. My wife didn't want me going back to hotels for very obvious reasons. And uh, my mom took me in and she's a recovering alcoholic as well. And I remember she took me back to her house and she was going to take care of me. And she said, you probably need something to eat. You probably haven't eaten in a while. What do you want? I told her, I don't know, just like some lunch meat and bread and stuff. She said, okay. Yeah. And she went to the grocery store. The second she left. I sat down at her laptop. I transferred the very last $10 that my wife and I had in our savings account to our checking account. And I walked a mile down the road to the liquor store from my mom's house, bought a big bottle of blueberry vodka. I remember exactly what kind it was and went back to my mom's house. After all that shit, after my mom taking me in, yeah. after losing everything, and I knew that, I was going to probably lose my job. Yeah. Because when I got back to my mom's house, I started trying to log into my work email and I was locked out of it. I missed uh, a bunch of work. I knew I was up for disciplinary action. Probably <clears throat> um, human resources already knew about my drinking because that previous seven months that I was sober, I had to let them know about that. Yeah. So they knew what was going on. They knew damn well what was going on. Well, so I, hold on. I, I have a couple of questions. Yeah. What's up, um, man? It was something I, I, I want to backtrack just a little bit. You said that you and your wife both decided to go, to rehab and get help and learn how to detox, right? Detox. How was that? Was that was that having someone by your side? Did it make it easier for you, or was it was it like, oh, uh, okay, I, I guess I'll do it? Like, was it was it a joint thing where you're like, hey, we're both going to hold each other accountable, so this should be easy if we do it together? Or you felt like, nah, I probably I should have did it by myself. Um, the times I went to detox was by myself there was one time i went with my wife 
Yeah. Now, moving a little forward in the story, kind of past the story, is I've been sober almost nine years. My wife just got sober. So we didn't do it together. Okay. We stayed together, but we didn't do it together. Hey, the fact that y'all stayed together is incredible. Like, honestly, it it shows you the power of love, not just the, the, the I'm here to the end into the beginning like you know like you know that saying of um you know death do is part of whatnot yeah. and it did hear that is phenomenal um but also once you got to your mom's and you realize okay i need something to just help me out i guess to help you just balance that you thought at that time like okay i just need 10 bucks i'm gonna go get this blueberry vodka yep just to help me balance and then from there I'll figure it out tomorrow. Or did you, wasn't even thinking. It was just like a, look, man, I'm used to this. I just need it now. Yep. I was used to it. It was my go-to. It was my, it was my way out of my, my way to escape the reality, which is, which is all it is. It's self-medicating. It's escaping reality. It's escaping the, the fact that I was, you know, fucking up at work, that I'd messed yeah. up with my family, that I caused so much hurt, all that stuff. Even though I'd been through all that stuff the previous three weeks, it didn't matter. I had to cope somehow and I could not handle it. And that was what I had to cope because that's what I used my entire freaking life to cope yeah. with this stuff. Yeah. And I sat there at my mom's house at her laptop with that blueberry vodka right next to me. And I was trying to get on my work email and I couldn't get in and I knew I was locked out and I was trying to think of anything I could do, you know, like, Oh, you're trying to justify everything in my head. And I knew that I, that I was in trouble. I knew that my life was, coming to a very, very close end. And to back up a little bit, when I was in those hotels for that three weeks, I was having seizures. I was passing out. I woke up with bruises. I remember vaguely being taken out on a gurney one time. I have no idea whatsoever how I did not die in that hotel room. There was one time that I knew that I was going to the, that a friend of mine was coming, that my wife had called, was coming to pick me up to take me to the hospital. I took that little ice bucket they have, the little square ones, it, went down yeah. the hall, put a little bit of ice in it, went back to my room, filled that thing up with vodka and drank as much as I could before he showed up. Wow. I have no idea at all how I'm still alive. But it's for a reason. I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason. Sitting at that desk and I was locked out of my email. I took that vodka. I opened it. I took three huge swigs. I set it down on the desk. That was it. I set that bottle down. I looked at it. And I could not force myself to take another drink, even if I wanted to. I knew right then and there that I was either going to die or I was going to quit. And something in my head snapped. And I called my mom and said, Mom, here's what I did. I went and got some vodka. She was pissed off, obviously. Um, and I just broke down. I said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I can't live like this anymore. She came, now, can you, can she came you and got me. me. She took me to my sister's house. My sister took me in. And they yeah. found a place up in Estes Park, Colorado called Harmony. It was a 30-day inpatient program, and I completely surrendered because I knew I was either going to die or quit. Yeah, because like, this is rock bottom. I was like, I'll do it. This is rock bottom. Oh, that was definitely a rock bottom. And now that, now that you hit rock bottom and you went to this facility to, to receive the help that you need to not only just help, but help you heal because it sounded like you was broken. Oh. You don't know what – now, did that place help you figure out, okay, this is, this is the moment that changed your life to help you well not help you but i guess yeah i guess uh, 
well, I guess trying to help you numb the pain with that, with the, with the alcohol, was it, did you, was you able to figure out, okay, this moment is the the turning point of my life? Yeah. You know, like I said, I drank my whole entire life and it was never, it was always fun. Yeah. At least I perceived it to be fun. It was just putting poison. It in wasn't body, but anything trauma. No, no, there wasn't, you know, my parents drank and I thought that was normal. Everybody I knew drank. I hung out with those crowds that liked to go out and party and, and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. So to me, it was very normal. The turning point was, um, excuse me, while I was with the fire department, I also was a lead instructor at the community college here for the EMT classes. And there was one night that I came home, my wife was already in bed and, um, I made, I made a huge mistake. I, I sent an inappropriate text to one of my students and we text back and forth a little bit. And that's all it was just inappropriate texts. Uh, we sent some pictures back and forth, but there was no nudity or anything, but yeah, it, it was wrong. It was a hundred percent wrong. It was disrespectful to my wife. And, uh, the next day I had such a burden of guilt and shame that I couldn't take it. And I told her the next day, the next morning, I said, I got to tell you something. And I said, I would rather lose you with the truth than you finding out and lose you to a lie. Yeah. And so I told her, I said, if you leave, I understand because I, I fucked up. Yeah. yeah. No, we all do though. And that was three days before my um, oldest daughter was born. Wow. Yeah. Pretty shitty. Like I said, I'm an open book. Yeah. No, I'm glad you guys was able to, to, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you was able to work that out. Um, we all make mistakes, man. We all make yeah, choices. Yeah. You know, especially and that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's sometimes where you, especially when I when I was heavy drinking, I have blackout moments, and then I wake up and I'm like, I text this person. I don't even remember. Or I'll get the 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 weird text like, Hey, you okay? And I'm like, Oh man, I I didn't meant to text this person. Or I get a DM from somebody or, or whatever, and it was like. Why? Why? I don't, even, I don't even talk like this, and I would have to apologize for my actions. So we all have dumb moments, as I like to call it. But it's not even a dumb moment. It's just a learning experience. Okay. Yes. And it, that, that was the defining moment, HB Matt. Yeah. That shit went from fun partying drinking to miserable need to escape drinking. Yeah. Because I had yeah. hurt the woman I love. She was hurt. I was guilty. And... We just we, I was on well, the fact that you own it though. You own it own like it. a like a like a like a true man. Like hey, I messed up. Maybe I, I dropped the ball. I'm not gonna. I told her I would never lie to her. Yeah, and I kept that promise even if it meant losing her. Oh, and man, that's good. It was not fun. It became necessary drinking. After that, there was times that I would say, you know, I'd get up in the morning and be like, honey, I'm gonna go let the dogs out. I'd come downstairs, let the dogs out. I'd take three beers in the bathroom and drink them as fast Chug. as I could and go back yeah. up to bed. Yeah. It was freaking ridiculous. Yeah. But well, that was it. That, that was the defining moment. And the thing is like, after, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no, no. You're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. No, I was just, I was, it was just, I wanted to like the rock bottom experience. And when or how long did it take for you to see the progress of stepping out of rock bottom? For me, it was immediate. Wow. It was, for me, it was immediate because I knew in my heart, my soul, my gut, everything that if I ever took another drink, I was going to drink myself to death and I don't want to die. So I knew I got a family family that I, I I got kids that I want to see grow up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I knew I had to change. So even though I went to the 
I went to that 30 day program. It was a 12 step program. I got nothing against AA or 12 step programs. I've been there before. I don't currently go anymore. Um, I, I have a changed mindset and, um, my wife just quit drinking. She never went to AA. She actually found a different way. And there's more than one way to quit drinking. You oh, know, yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of different ways. And the way that she found worked instant for her. There was no craving. Yeah. There was no, I'm missing out on something. It was a change in mindset that really yeah. ended up working for her. And I'm so thankful for that because it's been a long eight years, nine years almost yeah. of, you know, even though I'm sober and, and that's the thing, that's the thing I want to get across to people too, HB Mac. The, I don't want to, uh, you know, the story that I tell is very dramatic. Obviously there's a lot of bad shit that happened. There's a lot of bad yeah. choices I made. I mean, for God's sakes, I was drinking acetone for God's sakes. And yeah. when I got Which up to is, harmony, they, did wow. My liver panels and my liver came back normal. I have no idea how that happened. Um, when I worked at the, the jail, when I was a corrections officer, I had one of the inmates ask me one time, he goes, Hey Cliff, do you believe in God? And I said, I absolutely do. 100% believe in God. He's like, how, how do you know? I said, cause I can't think of any other reason why I'm still here. Somebody's mm. looking out for me. Yeah. And that's why I'm still here. And the thing is though, once I got sober, once I got done with my 30 day program, I went into the fire department. I knew I was facing disciplinary action. I love the fire department. I love the brothers and sisters I worked with there. I absolutely love that culture, but they deserve better. And even though I knew I was better and that I could be the person they need, I had a lot of bridges that I'd burned that I had to rebuild. And in that line of work, when you got someone's life in your hands that you have to go into a burning building with or whatever the situation is, you need to be able that tr- to Sorry, you need to be able to trust that person right then, yeah, right there. It's all about trust. Like, you're going to be there when I say you're going to be there, right? Yeah. And they deserve somebody that could give them that right now. And so I went in, and out of love for the fire department, I resigned. I said, you guys deserve somebody that can give you this trust right now. And it's going to take me time to earn that back from a lot of people, and they deserve better than that. So I resigned from the fire department. I had no direction, no backup plan, no money saved up, no retirement, Nothing. nothing. And but you knew it wasn't a good fit. I left. Yeah. And I walked away yeah. from a 19-year career. What am I going to do now? Well, I actually ended up staying home for about eight months. And then it's like, okay, I need to get a job because I got to pay bills and stuff like that. And I was lost for a lot of years, man. And I just, I went to work in the oil field, which I absolutely hated. I got a lot of respect for the people that work in the oil field, but it's not for me. Yeah. I did that for yeah. about four and a half, five years working in the oil field. And I absolutely hated every day of it. And I was lost and I'm like, what am I going to do with my life now? You know, I'm yeah. 40 years old. I you know, I'm getting to be like 43 now and I have no direction. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. I started looking for jobs in the same line of work that I was used to because being a firefighter, paramedic, public service, that's all I've ever known. Yeah. And, and it probably was hard because of, of the background, I would assume. Oh, I could imagine. Um, with your background check? It is. But, you know, after five years, that's kind of. That's the, okay. the limit they look is back five years. But I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, do I really want to go back into that? Because although I loved that line of work, the last couple of years that I was in that line of work, some of the calls I went on started sticking with me a lot more than I liked. So it was probably time for me to stop doing yeah. that kind of work anyways. Cause and now you're taking, you're taking, you're taking work yeah. home. Yeah. And it, it was never like that. It's like, okay, when my shift is over, it's just, I, I'm good. But now it's like, oh, wait, I'm actually thinking about work when I'm home. Yeah, This just, is affecting me in a way. There's a lot of stuff that you see that you can't unsee. There's a lot of stuff that yeah. sticks with you. The, the really bad calls, you know. And and I, I still think about some of them sometimes. And they, they've stuck with me. And they're things that I'll probably never forget. But that's a choice I made. And that's a career I chose. And I accept that. 
And I accept that I did everything I possibly could on every single one of those calls, but you know, it didn't make seeing that kind of stuff any easier. Yeah. But, uh, so it's now, probably, it's probably good. It kind of worked out. It's kind of probably a good time for me to get out of that line of work. So I didn't really want to get back into that, even though that's what I was kind of looking at. I'm like, I don't really want to do that, but that's something yeah. I know how to do. So what do I do now? And I'll tell you, man, I was like, God, I've done so much stuff. I've done, I, that's the longest one I did. I did get back to public service. Like I said, being a, a corrections officer after being, you know, sober five years and not having anything else on my driving record, got hired as a sheriff's deputy, worked in the jail, uh, got hired as a youth corrections officer, did that for a short period of time. And then I was like, I'm done with public service. And I got out of that and I'd already started mindful architecture because I was actually driving to work one time. And the thing is like, after I got sober HP Mac, I didn't go out on some big sobriety crusade of I'm going to save the whole world from alcohol and, and everything. And it's so, I mean, there's plenty of people out there doing that. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for those people that are doing that, but I needed my life to be about more than just alcohol. Alcohol had controlled my life for far too long. And I had, you're not going to talk about it. Yeah. No, it's great. Get sober. Yeah. But now, now when did you realize, okay, this is it. I'm going all in with this mindful architect like this is it this is this is my passion now like i really want to show people i hey you can really reset your mind and not only think about these things but actually achieve it april 4th 2016 i love it <laughs> i love it I, if you're if you're listening Let me you show don't you even look at anything sorry no you're fine man you're fine but you know there's moments in life where we don't know like a purpose, I guess you could say, and you just figure out like, okay, I'm just going to do this. And then something happened and an event happens. And then you figure out, okay, this is my purpose. Now I'm going to use this and give this gift away. I found the gift that, that God or the universe or whatever thing that you believe in told me to, Hey, this is your gift. Now share it with the world. And you said, April, April 6th. So here's my wallet. Yeah. You open it up right back here. Little piece of paper. Okay. When you have thoughts that come to your mind, I'm talking to like whoever's listening to this. When you have thoughts, dreams, desires, big aha moments that come to your mind, do not dismiss them. Do not just let them lie and start coming up with the excuses that's driven by fear and doubt saying, "Ah, I couldn't do that. I'm not talented. I'm not worthy. I'm not smart enough. I don't have a college education. I don't have any of that stuff. Do not dismiss these thoughts. These are your dreams trying to talk to you. Okay. I carry this with me every single day. And I take it out and I read it all the time, but it was actually April 4th, 2016 says today I came to the realization and awakening that I truly believe I was put on this earth to help others, to inspire, motivate, and help others become what they want to empower them to achieve their dreams and overcome the hurdles that hold them back with this. I also believe I was put here to give back support and give to those less fortunate and in need. I will pursue this mission journey and dream with all that I have. I will not fail and I will not quit. If I hit a wall, I will climb over it. If I fall, I will get it back up. If I experience failure, I will learn from them and they will make me stronger and more determined, but I will not give up and I will not fail. And I, I, I was driving to work in the oil field and this came to me. Yeah. I spent my entire Powerful. life helping people yeah. in public service. Why do, and I kept looking for other jobs that were going to be helping people. 
and it's like you know what i can just create this yes all the stuff this is public service i'm already i already have the 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 experience now let me work for myself instead of working for someone else yes and i can really touch people in a way where i couldn't really touch them as a fireman or or not even as a fireman but you can't it's so hard because the 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 interactions as a fireman i can imagine is man this is this is rough like you know it's not the perfect timing where it's like you and i right now doing a zoom conference yeah. it's probably it's probably something where it's intense you have to be sharp you hoping that this person can calm down let's get out this bu- this building or whatever situation it is and now it's like okay i'm done with that that door closed but this door opened for me where i can i can really change people's lives in a way where i really want to and that's the thing is is it's not I was coming from a place where like, once I had this epiphany, this, this realization, it's like, I've spent my entire life, my career helping people. Why am I trying to get away from that? I have a passion for helping people. And I started going through in my mind, all the things that I've been through that I could help teach people how to get through that. Because I came through all that with a positive mindset. I came through all yeah. that. It wasn't always easy. It wasn't always sunshine and rainbows. I had really crappy days. Like I even just said, when I worked in the oil field, I hated it. But I had this realization on my way to the oil field. I started improving myself. I started reading books by Bob Proctor, by um, other motivational people that I can't remember right now off the top of my head. So good. Man. I was working on personal development. I wanted to become something more. I knew I had more to offer this world. I just didn't know what. And through listening to all this stuff and putting all this stuff in my mind and starting to believe in myself, I had this realization first off. And then I had the realization that's like, you know what? I hate my job. I don't get paid enough. I have to drive. There was one time where my work was so far away. I'd leave at three o'clock in the morning on Monday and I would get back at about eight o'clock at night on Friday. And I'd see my wife and kids on Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And I lived out there. This is not the life. Yeah. Getting time away from my family. But that was all the wrong perspective. I was looking at all the stuff the wrong way. I had a freaking job. I was able to pay my bills. My wife and kids love me and they appreciate everything that I'm doing for them. I have a wife and kids. I have freaking air in my lungs. I get to wake up every day and live this life. You got to start changing your mindset. You got to start changing your perspective. And that's where things really started to change for me. And I was like, I got to start helping people. I got to start figuring out some way to put this to use to serve others. Because that's what it's about to me is serving other people. And so I started thinking about writing a book. I started making all kinds of notes and stuff. And I actually did start writing a book. Uh, It was actually just... I think I was talking to my son about it tonight, about three years ago is when I actually started posting on Instagram and really hitting it hard with the social media stuff Yeah, and trying to build mindful. I came up with the name mindful architecture and started trying to build that. And it's not an easy road, man, but it's no, it's not, it's not the beginning is always the hardest, but I guarantee you, if you, if you stick with it a year, once a year passed, you'll probably look back and think to yourself, man, I'm glad I, I stuck with it. You know? Yeah. And the, the thing is, HB, is like I told you, I started going through my head, all the stuff I'd been through, man. And ever yeah. since I got sober, so you think about me at my mom's house, sitting in that desk, not getting into my email, knowing I was in trouble at work, how devastating that was that I had to go take the last $10 from my wife and kids and buy a bottle of vodka. In the nine years since I got sober, my best friend of 41 years passed away unexpectedly from a seizure. He was a recovering addict too, but he was sober when he died. He just had a seizure disorder and passed away one night. Uh, we just recently lost two of our dogs. One we found dead in the hallway. My son and I did. I've lost numerous jobs, not by 
not because I'm a crappy employee or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's the oil field, you know, prices go down yeah. and they're like, I oh, got to do cutbacks. And yeah. you know, you show up to work one day, everything's fine. You show up the next day. They're like, show up for the unemployment meeting tomorrow. And suddenly, yeah. just like that in the blink of an eye, you got no way to support your wife, your kids, your family, put food on the table. I've had to get food from food banks because I didn't have enough money to buy food for my wife and my kids to support my yeah. family. I've had to file bankruptcy. I've had cars repossessed. And now look at you now though. And, and I told you three years ago, almost I started hitting social media hard. When I made the decision to start hitting social media hard, I just gotten hired as a, uh, as the youth corrections officer went away to the training in Denver as a two week training, went away for a week, came back, saw my wife and kids went down for the second week, came back after the second week. My wife's gone. My kids are gone. All their stuff is gone. She had left. Okay. 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 Yeah. We all have choices in this life. We all get to decide what kind of reality is where I started out. You know, we create the reality that we want for ourselves. And at that defining moment right there, at the defining moment when I hit rock bottom, at that defining moment right there, at the moment that I had to file bankruptcy, at the moment that I couldn't put food on the table for my kids, at the moment that I had that car repossessed. Every single one of those moments that I crossed over the last nine years, I could have sat there and said, this sucks. The world is against me. I'm a failure. I'm worthless. I give up. I'm just going to exist. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do what I need to, to get by. And you know, fuck it. I can't do it. It's too much. I can't make it. Or at that moment, when I came home, my wife was gone. My kids were gone. I got a note on the table saying, I'm not coming back. Okay. And I'm not going into details or anything about it, but nah, you don't have to, man. One thing I don't talk about. So my wife and I, yeah, no, you, yeah, for personal reasons, but yeah, together now. But at that very moment, I could have gotten angry, bitter, resentful, hateful, and became this angry, bitter old man. Even though I'm not that old, but you're uh, not at all. (laughs) You know, I could have became angry and bitter like all those divorced people that we see. Or yeah, I said, you know what? I can approach this with love understanding, forgiveness, acceptance. I can learn from this. And I did. I sat and I said to myself, who am I without her? Who am I? If you take all this stuff away, and this is so important for people to think about, is if you think about everything you have in your life that you value, your house, your car, your job, your kids, your wife, your cool little HB Mac hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tapestry, every single thing. Everything you think defines you. A lot of people define themselves by their jobs. If you take all that stuff and you take it away and you imagine in your mind that you lost it, and that may sound like a really bad. No, 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 but it's it's true. But sit there and think about it. Okay. Without all this crap. Who am I? Who am I? Yeah. It's the hardest question. It's the hardest question that some people are scared to to ask because they know the answer. I'm nobody. I know. I'm just, I'm just attached to this material. No, it's just, I'm attached to this material stuff in in a way where my soul, I don't know who I am. I just know I got, I got money. I got this, I got that all material stuff. But when you take it away, you don't realize, wait, who am I? And then you have to search for who you are. You And then, and that's the scariest thing because it's like, I don't know who I am. Yeah. But is it scary to think about it and imagine it? And prepare yourself for it. Yeah. Was it scary to experience it? Oh, experience it. Some people think it's experience because it's like 
they think, but it's not like what they experience. Like, when I hit rock bottom, I had to, I had to figure out who, who am I? Yeah. I looked at everything. I wrote, I got a journal. I wrote for about nine months and went on vacation, came back, came back and read it. And I was just like, wow, I got to reinvent myself Yeah, because I don't know who I am. That's the beautiful thing about it though, HB Mac. You can reinvent yourself when you get to that point or you even yeah. don't wait till you get to that point. Imagine that, sit there, meditate on it and say, all the stuff I value that I used to define who I am is gone. Yeah. Who am I without all this stuff? Who am I? Am I going to survive? Am I strong enough? Am I mentally tough enough? Do I have what it takes to survive or am I going to crumble? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a great yeah. quote that says, the world breaks everyone, but afterwards, some of us are stronger in the broken places. Well, why isn't everybody? Because a lot of people don't know how to pick themselves back up, put the pieces back together, get stronger where the cracks are and yeah. create a new person that can survive all that stuff. Yes. You yes, can create yes. whatever the hell you want to create with your life. You can become whoever you want to become. If you detach yourself from all the exterior things that you think define you because they don't, because one of the biggest things that I tell people is everything in this world is temporary. And I actually got this when I was talking to people in jail and they're down and they're depressed and they're angry and they're bitter at the system. And they're, you know, ashamed of what they've done to end up in jail and what's their life going to be like. Their life is over all these negative thoughts. I said, look, at it's this. just temporary pain, man. Look at this. I go, me, the walls, your cell, all the other inmates you're in here with, this is temporary. Yeah. This is going to end. Unless you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, this yeah. is going to end. Everything in your life is going to end at some point. Everything in your life is temporary. You're the only person you have from birth to death. Okay? Yeah. I love my wife to death, but there's a time in my life that I didn't even know she existed. Yeah, of course. Okay? I didn't Way have before. kids my entire yeah, life. Yeah, They're a temporary yeah. part of my life. They're a temporary part of, towards the end of my life. The second half of my life, hopefully they're here for the rest of my life. Yeah. But once that day arrived and I came home to that note in an empty house, okay. That was the epiphany. Like, I, 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 have to, I have to figure this out. I have to figure out who am I. Cars yeah. come and go. Clothes come and go. Houses yeah. come and go. Every single thing you have can be taken away from you. Every single thing, your parents, your friends, your family, your job, your money, everything can be yeah. taken away from you. Everything is temporary. It's going to come and go. You are it. You are the oh, one man. thing, the one constant you have in your entire life from birth to death. So that is your number one priority is you working on your mindset, working on yourself, finding out who you really are and what you're truly capable of and then going after it. Because the worst thing that you want to do is sit on your deathbed and have regret of what if I just tried? Yes. I got well, big aspirations in this life. And some of them it's like, maybe I can accomplish them. Maybe I can, yeah. but I'm never going to sit back and be like, what if I had just tried? What if I no, tried I to write it. that? I love it. I love it. All right. All right, guys. I told you I can keep this going. Is it. <laughs> no, you're good. This is it on the podcast. But Cliff, before I go, please tell the people how to find you and tell them what you're doing now, your business and all that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at mindful underscore architecture. Uh, same on Facebook, Mindful Architecture. I am on Twitter, but not that much. So Instagram is kind of my main platform. I also have a website. It is uh, Mindful Architecture or the Mindful Architecture.com. And I do one on one coaching. I do group classes. I'm working on creating a class right now. And I, I approach coaching from a very different perspective, a very different um, format. 
I don't have a curriculum, so to speak, of, okay, let's talk about your limiting beliefs. Let's talk about yeah, your failures. Let's talk about your accomplishments. We do cover that stuff, but it's very, very fluid. It's very based on what you need because there is not one quick fix or no. one curriculum that's going to cover everybody in this world. You know, it's, uh, it's, so it sounds like it's by whatever the client needs. Yeah. I'll find out about you. I'll find out what you need. I'll find out where you're at in your life. And then we'll take it from there and say, okay, where do you want to go? What's holding you back? Why can't you overcome this? And I call you out on your bullshit, to be honest with you. If you got all these excuses that you're using of, I don't have time. I'm waiting for the kids to grow. I'm waiting to make more money. I'm waiting for my books yeah. to be done. It's all bullshit. And I'll call you. Got it. Okay. I'm <laughs> got it. Got very it. real and down to earth. And I'm nice too. I'm not a mean guy. I'm not. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. Sometimes some people just need to that hard, you know, Hey, instead of like, Hey, it's okay. Like sometimes people do need that hard talk, that firm yeah. talk, but thank you, man. I appreciate you oh, being pleasure, a guest. I'm for grateful hour. for, <laughs> I, no, it's fine. I'm grateful for our connection. This was outstanding. My oh, man, Clifford telling his story. What, what a phenomenal story. The way that he, went up and down and shows that healing is a process is not a light switch remember that if you really want to find cliff i have all his contact information in the show notes and if you're going through something and you need someone to reach out don't be scared to call the suicide lifeline i have that contact information down below along with the crisis hotline number as well so then i'll see you next week